All right, everyone, welcome in to episode nine of the Insta Review Podcast, following week number nine. An absolutely chaotic week of NFL football. So many storylines to get into. My name is Nicholas Hill, host of the Interview Podcast. Next, we have Leon Terrion and Connor Kennedy. Oscar Ringo hopefully will join us here very, very soon. Guys, it was chaotic. I couldn't believe some of the results. How are you feeling about the chaos we saw in week number nine? Crazy week. My, my team lost to the Jaguars, so uh, you guys probably know how I feel. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's actually the first story that I'm going to bring up as one of the five key stories. So the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Buffalo Bills 9-6. to six, No touchdowns scored. Josh Allen on the Bills struggled while Josh Allen on the Jacksonville Jaguars excelled. So Trevor Lawrence gets his second career win. Should Bills fans be concerned on how they could manage uh, the an AFC playoff run, Connor? Uh, most definitely. That was the worst I've seen the Bills play in quite some time. Uh, definitely reminded me of a lot of uh, the playoff drought Bills uh, to me. Um, obviously, Josh Allen, like he said in his – well, not linebacker Josh Allen. He played great. <laughs> but uh, the, the quarterback Josh Allen uh, – he said in his uh, press conference yesterday, he played like absolute crap. Um, you know, so part of the blame is on him. But I, I think something that some some people are overlooking somehow uh, is this offensive line. Uh, we were down uh, rookie tackle Spencer Brown, who's been pretty productive, uh, you know, in the, the couple of games that he played, as well as uh, guard John Feliciano. He just went on injury reserve after the Dolphins game last week. Uh, and he he's not all that great, but he's better than the people that they dragged on that field. Uh, I'd Bucker and Cody Ford. Uh, they're playing like practice squad guys, and I, I don't think they're NFL starters whatsoever. And Daryl Williams didn't do too well either. This This offensive line played absolutely terribly um kind of reminded me of uh the, the Bengals last year uh you know when you have a pretty good quarterback um and some good weapons it, it doesn't that stuff doesn't matter if you don't have people that can protect him well that's something that we saw with the bills uh you know yesterday in Jacksonville and I think it's definitely a point of concern um you know they've, they've needed help at the guard position for some time um and I I think they'll still be in the playoffs uh, as long as they can bounce back from this game. Uh, they'll probably win the AFC East. Um, but personally, I don't think they will be winning a Lombardi and bringing it back to Western New York this year. Just based on that O-line alone, you know, they'll be absolutely exposed in the playoffs by, by a team with a great front four. Um, they'll absolutely destroy them like we saw this past Sunday. And because of that, Josh will be rattled and not be able to do anything and make dumb rookie mistakes. Yeah, it really seems like they've struggled last week. You know, they lost to Tennessee. Then they came back and just really struggled with a, a terrible Miami team. Um, and then yesterday, he was at Jacksonville. And, of course, now when you look at the AFC East, you see the New England Patriots. Now they have a winner record at 5-4. and four. Um, Are you worried at all about New England potentially taking a division? I, I still personally think that the Bills right now are a better team than the Patriots, despite that terrible performance yesterday. Uh, but also, I do think that the Patriots are definitely wild card contenders. 
Um, and I wouldn't be too surprised if the Patriots won uh, at least one of their matchups against the Bills. Um, that's coming up pretty soon. Um, you know, Mac Jones has been playing pretty efficient, efficiently. They rebuilt their offensive system uh, a little bit. Um, and their defense is playing pretty well, too. Um, so unless – It's a lot of passes. Wait, what'd you say? Mac Jones, he completes a lot of passes. Yeah, he's, he's pretty efficient. Nice. Yeah, because they definitely put him in a really good position. Like they're not forcing him to throw down the field. He's got a decent support system. Of course, he's got Bill Belichick as his head coach, and that helps out a rookie quarterback tremendously. Because when you think about back to what Tom Brady was doing in New England, they weren't airing and out down the field a ton. Outside of a couple of years during Brady's prime, when they had uh, receivers like Randy Moss. Back Jones is a possession quarterback. He's going to check it down. He's going to make safe throws. And he, he's very good with, about not turning over the football. This goes back to his days at Alabama. He was not turnover prone then. And it's really t- carried over into New England. And most of the other rookie quarterbacks have unfortunately not been the same due to their situation. Like, look at Trevor Lawrence, for example. I mean, there's times where he looks good, but he just doesn't have the support. Like, the organization's a mess. The office of line's a mess. I mean, yesterday he didn't play great. But at least he was able to make less mistakes than Josh Allen in order to win. And a part of that is because of the other Josh Allen. In fact, you know, kind of a historical fact about yesterday's game, it was the first time that someone sacked another player with the same name. Uh, Josh Allen of the Jaguars, a linebacker from Kentucky, sacking the quarterback, Josh Allen, uh, for the Bills. Kind of reminds me a little bit. Uh, these guys actually are here last year, and the Braves, Dodgers, NLCS, Will Smith, our, our reliever pitcher, gave up a home run to uh, the Dodgers, Will Smith. So kind of a, a weird coincidence there. But, yeah, definitely. Uh, sorry, but uh, going back to what you said, you were talking about the Patriots, and I think this is what they do best in the NFL. They're able to stick to their game plan. Like, they won't force anything. If they're running the ball well in the first half, they don't need to chuck it downfield in the second half. If Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, even Brandon Bolden, the veteran, he's back on there, on the on the Patriots also. So just to see them succeed with a rookie quarterback, a lot of people had their doubts, but this is a team that can make a big run. And I know Mac Jones will is I'd say he's probably the best quarterback so far among rookies, but I think rookie of the year will definitely go to Jamar Chase. Right. Um... I think uh, here's my advice, you know, as someone who's a Titans fan, right? You know, a couple weeks ago, we lost to the Jets. And that seemed like an almost end of the world loss. There was like, oh, this, all the hype about this team in the preseason was completely overblown. And there's no way that this team's a championship contender. But the Titans have turned it around. And you have to hope that if you're a Bills fan, that this is the loss that gets this team back going in the other direction. Because, I mean, this has to be a wake up call. Because if you're losing to a team like the Jags on the road, now, how many other teams are you really going to be if you're going to play like that? Now, the Titans have been able to change it around. And with how crazy and topsy-turvy the AFC is right now, there's still a lot of room for the Bills to come back because they still have, um, if everything's clicking, one of the most ex- explosive offenses in the entire league. You know, and, and our defense is still playing really, really well. Um, and they only gave up nine points yesterday, not necessarily their fault that uh, Jacksonville won that game. So I, just, I, I think, you know, every team has this midseason slump. Like, I think about the last year of the Buccaneers, they literally lost by 35 to the Saints in the middle of the season. They were down 35 at the beginning, at the end of the first half, but they came back and won the Super Bowl. So, 
I wouldn't panic, especially with how crazy this is. I have no idea right now who should be the best team in the league. And, um, you know, it's just uh, you would rather want to have you would rather have the performance of week nine than in January. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, and I that, Nick. yeah. maybe and feel that- a little better. <laughs> Uh, but but something that um, I, I took from this matchup, along with like some of these games these past couple weeks, uh, and just like an overall theme of this season is that the NFL is really a week by week league, and that the talent gap on you know a lot of these teams, whether you're the Jets or you're the Buccaneers, it's is that the talent gap isn't that far off unless you're the Lions, but uh, that's that's a different story. <laughs> And uh, speaking of the Lions, as we get into our second story, as we go into the AFC, a team that beat the Lions was the Baltimore Ravens earlier in the season with a game-winning field goal. Lamar Jackson has came back against the Minnesota Vikings in his fourth career, not fourth career, but fourth comeback win of the season in overtime. How far can this Baltimore Ravens team go, Nick? Um, I, I, I think they can go as far as Lamar Jackson takes them. And if he continues to play like this and in this AFC, that could be all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, it just it really depends on what he's able to do. Of course, he only has one playoff one up to this point, and that was against my Titans last year in a game where I don't think I didn't think he played like especially exceptionally great, but he made enough plays to win that game. Of course, he struggled at Buffalo in the uh, in the division round to lose that game. So at the end of the day, you know, he's put up all these regular season stats and he's continuing to do so, but. Can you do it in January? That's and as we get later, later in the season, it's time to start thinking about all right, which one of these teams looks poised to make that run when we get in the postseason. And we also got to remember this: the AFC North, literally everyone's within a game and a half of each other, um, so they still got to find a way to win the division. The Browns yesterday looked like a revelation. They look like the team that we thought they were going to look like in the, the end of the season. The Steelers are finding ways to win ugly games week after week which, hey, the NFL is all you need to do. And even though the Bengals are struggling, they still went into Baltimore and blew them out a couple weeks ago. So it, the goal for Baltimore is to find a way to get through this division, which is going to be really, really difficult. And if you can find a way to win it, then you're going to have a shot at making a run. But I don't think it's all on Lamar Jackson. Plus, I think this defense is not – as good as some of the other Ravens defenses that we've seen over the years. They seem susceptible at times. I mean, they gave up 41 to the Bengals a couple of weeks ago. Gave up 31 to the Vikings. I mean, I know the Vikings have good talent on offense, but still, I think in this in the AFC, I think it's going to really come down to which defense has the hot hand. And right now, the Ravens don't have that. So they got to figure out a way to get that going before they attempt a Super Bowl run. Hunter, what's your thoughts on the Ravens? I mean, like you said earlier, uh, this this team will only go as far as Lamar Jackson goes. Um, as we've seen this season, Lamar Jackson's basically been carrying this offense ever since their you know top two main running backs uh, are out for the season, uh, went out for the season on injured reserve, um, and. In my opinion, I think it's just like a little I, – I wouldn't expect Lamar to be able to carry this load um, for the entire season, and especially, you know, within the postseason. Um, he has been playing, like, even better than his MVP campaign, you know, back in 2019, though. 
Um, and I think the addition of Sammy Watkins uh, in free agency, beside, despite his injury concerns, uh, which pop up every season somehow, um, you know, he, he's been helping out a little bit too. Um, in terms of the defense, I definitely don't think it's, you know, anywhere close to something like the 2000 Ravens defense or even the 23rd, even like the 2012 Ravens defense. Um, but I, I think they're still, you know, pretty dang good. Um, one thing I would like to see from the Ravens defense, though, is, uh, you know, uh, rookie edge rusher Odafe Owe. Um, he, he played pretty well early on in the season um, and he helped uh, the win against the Chiefs with that fumble recovery. However, I'd, I'd really like to see him be a bit more consistent uh, in terms of his ability to rush the passer. And I, th- I think that'll be one of the key factors in this Ravens defense really showing up um, and helping them make a postseason run. Absolutely. I think that defense part is going to be crucial. And speaking of defenses, the Broncos defense almost shut out the Dallas Cowboys. It was 30-0. to zero. By the fourth quarter, Teddy Bridgewater leading Denver to a victory. The dynamic duo of Melvin Gordon and Jamal Williams, along with Tim Patrick, running routes all over the Broncos defense, plus a big touchdown catch over Trayvon Diggs, who is leading the NFL in interceptions. The Broncos are now five and four. How do you think they will fare in the playoffs? Because there's been a lot of predictions around them, even preseason. We weren't sure if it was going to be Teddy Bridgewater or if they were going to try continuing developing drew lock the young quarterback so where do you guys see the broncos uh moving forward into the latter part of the regular season uh personally i think them um and the new orleans saints are in a similar boat to me uh in terms of i don't know if they're a good team or not honestly um you know obviously the broncos started out hot with that 3-0 start um against some pretty bad teams but you know they, they still dominated in all those three games. Um, and then they fell to, I think, like a, a four-game losing streak after that. They eventually broke that. And, of course, they beat one of the best teams in the NFL with a dominant shutout win. Um, you know, I think this defense is pretty good. Uh, the pickup of Patrick Sertan, even though I, I think they probably should have picked up a quarterback uh, with the ninth overall pick. I think he's he's been a great corner uh, so far this season for them. Um and as long as Teddy Bridgewater can play efficient football um, and Vic Fangio doesn't get in the way, um, then I, I – anything's possible with the Broncos, honestly. I have no clue if they'll clinch a wild card berth or if they'll miss the playoffs entirely. Yeah, I just don't think ultimately they have enough offense. I mean, their defense definitely played very well yesterday and obviously going into Dallas and blowing out the Cowboys in the, in the fashion that they did – uh, raise a lot of eyebrows, but I just think when you look at their division, I think the Chargers right now are by far the best team. The Chiefs are starting to get going just a little bit, although I think that's more circumstantial than anything else. But hey, they're now winning, and they got a reeling Raiders team next week. Who even then, the Raiders can we still have a better offense than Denver? But I just think right now, the organizational issues are uh, going to significantly hinder them for the rest of the season. I just. When you look at how tight this is going to be and you go week by week by week, how often are you going to trust the Denver Broncos in their current state to win enough games to make that wild card? I, I just I just don't see it. I mean, yesterday was a fantastic win, but I almost feel like that was almost more Dallas just being completely terrible. I mean, 
when you literally have Dak Prescott not even at 100 yards passing for three quarters, it's just that doesn't seem real, like especially for how well Dak Prescott's been playing in the early part of the season. And you got to give credit to Denver for that somewhat, but they're not going to do that to every team. And you're going to obviously have to rely on consistent scoring week in, week out. And I just, I don't believe they're going to be able to do that. But, you know, obviously yesterday was a great win for them. And they certainly got a shot uh, to prove a lot of us wrong. With no Von Miller, one of the best players in franchise history, they traded him away to the Rams. They did that entire almost shutout performance without him. So that was a big surprise there. I think compared to Bills and Jaguars, I'd probably say that that's the biggest upset of the week. That was just a big shocker, that game. But now as we move on to the other division, the NFC division, no Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins. Colt McCoy leads the Arizona Cardinals to a 31-17 win over the San Francisco 49ers. James Conner had three total touchdowns. They are doing this without their two top playmakers, and the Cardinals ran all over the 49ers. Historically, these games are close between these two NFC West teams, but guys, thoughts on this? Because I thought the 49ers could have maybe edged this out by a couple points. Yeah, it was very surprising to see the Cardinals pull out the 49ers in that fashion with Colt McCoy as a quarterback, without DeAndre Hopkins. And I really think this could begin to spell the end for Kyle Shanahan. You know, ever since they came up just short to the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl two years ago, it's all gone down here for San Francisco. Wasn't his fault last year due to injury. But this year, I thought they'd be a lot better than they are. And it's just, it's really disappointing to see how discombobulated that offense is. I think a big part of that is bringing in Trey Lance and doing the quarterback hokey pokey. And we don't know who the quarterback's going to be week to week. And I think in the NFL, you just can't do that. In college football, rarely you can get away with that. In the NFL, you just can't get away with a two-quarterback system. And I almost think they're kind of outsmarting themselves. It, there's not a consistent set of skill players week to week they can rely on. Um, you know, because the, the ongoing joke early on the season is, you know, yeah, people are going to draft Brandon Ayuk uh, in fantasy, but it's going to be like Graham Mitchell from North Carolina, Appalachian Tech or something that's going to go off for the San Francisco 49ers. And that's great for a couple of games, but for a whole season, you need those bona fide stars, and they're just not showing up. I also have Debo Samuel uh, for San Francisco. So I, I think this is a real indictment on Cal uh, Shanahan and, and John Lynch and the 49ers. They're just not what they should be, given that the talent that they have. Now, obviously, for the Cardinals, this is a really good sign, because obviously last week you lose the, to a shorthanded Packers team, kind of wounded their pride a little bit, but coming back underhanded yourself, going into San Francisco, getting that win. And with the Rams lost yesterday, now you're back atop of the NFC West at eight and one. You have the best record of football. Um, And I've been saying all year, I'm still waiting to see what they do in the second half, considering Cliff Kingsbury's past in the second half of football seasons. But considering what they were able to do yesterday without his star quarterback, his star wide receiver, I'm getting less and less concerned about how this Arizona team is going to perform down the stretch. Yeah, I, I just think the Cardinals are a well-put-together team. You know, obviously, we we saw them play really well without Kyler Murray. And I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think D-Hop didn't play that game either. Um, I don't think he did either. Yeah, so their top two star players on offense, you know, out. 
but they still won in convincing fashion, uh, playing a team that I think a lot of us think thought would bounce back. Um, and it's been a really interesting season for the 49ers. You know, there was a good amount of hype from them. And I, I believed that, you know, bringing Jimmy G back, you know, healthy with, you know, George Kittle and the rest of their stars on offense and defense, you know, they, they went to a Super Bowl not too long ago. Um, and they were just plagued with injuries in 2020. And that's why they went six and 10. Um, but they absolutely are not the same team that they were in 2019. Um, you know, I think Kyle Shanahan's avoided a lot of blame because of uh, the injuries that his rosters endured, uh, both in 2018 and in 2020. Uh, but I, I think this season, it's very likely that they miss the postseason. And if they do, then I don't know if Kyle Shanahan's going to be coaching in the Bay after this season. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not really sure, like, with the 49ers, even going back to drafting Trey Lance, because I still believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. He is somebody that did take the team to the Super Bowl, and they did lose. But even without injuries last season, they were still able to go 7-9 and nine with mostly second stringers. So now they're 3-5. and five. Maybe they get a 7th spot. I'm still a believer in the 49ers, and they do have a good defense, and they have do have some good pieces in Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, but we'll, we'll just see what happens moving forward. Now, moving on to another team in the NFC, the biggest story is Aaron Rodgers testing positive for COVID. He is he he did not play in the game against the Kansas City Chiefs, which was Jordan Love's first career start. Jordan Love's first career start did not go that well at all. He had plenty of opportunities to even beat the Chiefs. A lot of miscues, a lot of missed passes, and the Chiefs defense was able to send the blitz a lot and get a lot of pressure on him. But the Packers defense did play well. The final score was 13-7. to Do you guys think that Packers fans should panic after this loss? Because I think if you have Jordan Love moving forward the next couple of weeks, I don't know how well it's going to go. It just looked like nothing was functioning. And let's say if Rodgers was there, that probably would have been a score of 30-13. to I mean, I, I think with the Jordan Love situation, uh, you know, just going back to the 2020 draft, um, e- even though it's somewhat similar to the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre situation uh, in the sense that Brett Favre was still playing relatively well and they still drafted Aaron Rodgers in the first round. Um, Jordan Love wasn't a quarterback that was, you know, projected to go in the first round or had any similar promise to Aaron Rodgers, you know, back in the 2005 draft when he was a guy that was predicted to go first overall. Um, I, I think the pick was obviously a reach by the Packers. And I don't really know if Jordan Love could really carry this offense the way Aaron Rodgers has, you know, this past decade after Aaron Rodgers leaves, which could very possibly be after the season. I I just do not trust this team with Jordan Love as their, you know, QB one. I absolutely agree with that. And before I get back to the love, I kind of want to circle back around to Mahomes here for a second. He had 37 pass attempts yesterday, only got 166 passing yards. That that seems just unbelievable to me. I I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs offense has fallen off a complete cliff. And I, I don't know if they're going to recover. I mean, we've been talking all year about their defense being terrible. The offense all of a sudden is just missing. It is on a, it's on a milk carton. Uh, you know, where is uh, where is the Kansas City Chiefs offense? But 
back to Green Bay. I, I think for this season, there's no re- reason to panic. Aaron Rodgers is going to be back sooner rather than later, unless he gets deathly sick, which hopefully he does not. Um, they're going to win the NFC North, and he should be he'll be around for the playoffs. Um, obviously, the concerns come potentially starting next year and beyond because I don't know if Jordan Love's the guy. I, I don't think he was the right decision there. And if I were a Packers fan, that performance would have absolutely enraged me the other day because when you look at the Packers team last year, what what kept Green Bay from beating Tampa Bay and getting to that Super Bowl? I mean, outside of some defensive pass interferences by Kevin King, um, I think one or two playmakers that did not exist on the offensive side of the ball that they could have drafted last year, but they instead they went for Jordan Love to do their replacement because they kind of wanted to do what they did between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, which in retrospect, you know, it was a great decision, right? And to be able to go from one franchise quarterback to another franchise quarterback. But that only works when you're going from one franchise quarterback to the other. And of course, Aaron Rodgers fell from the top all the way down to 24 in the 2004 draft. A lot of people thought he was going to go number one, but the 49ers decided to go screw over their uh, homeboy and Rodgers and go with Alex Smith. This love situation, as Connor was saying, is not the same. And when you still had an elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who is single-handedly putting you in championship contention year after year after year, you had to find a way to get that man some help because you hadn't drafted a skilled player in the first round in, I think, a decade. And it just... (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. It still doesn't make any sense. And I think they're throwing away his last chances at a Super Bowl ring. Regardless of whether or not you like Aaron Rodgers or loathe him after the past week, the, the fact still remains. If he had extra help last year, if he had if he had the supporting cast that Tom Brady had, Aaron Rodgers would have been a Super Bowl champion last year, and he would be a favorite this year to win again. But Green Bay just refuses to give him that support. And we saw that yesterday because if you don't have Aaron Rodgers, then the supporting cast cannot lift up Jordan Love because the quarterback lifts up the supporting cast, including Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers is what makes that team go. And when he leaves, potentially after this season, then who knows what's going to happen to the Green Bay Packers because I don't think this is going to be a far to Rodgers transition. This could be a very rocky transition and put Green Bay in a position they haven't been in over 30 years at this point. I'm trying to think far. I think he started, what, in like 91 for the Packers? So, like, yeah, 30 years. I mean, that, that's how long the Green Bay Packers have had a solid quarterback situation between Favre and Aaron Rodgers. A whole generation of Packers fans have known nothing but solid quarterback play, yet they've only been, been later. two Super Bowls with 30 years, despite having two generational quarterbacks, which, would, which just seems like a great waste uh, to me. I think I think Rodgers was drafted later. I'm not completely sure on that, but just going back, I think that might have been the most unnecessary pick in the draft. A lot of quarterbacks, even as we looked last year, are playing in their 40s. Brady was Brady's 44 right now. Drew Brees retired at 41. Philip Rivers retired at 40. Ben Roethlisberger is approaching 40. He's 39 right now. Why draft Jordan Love whenever you could pick up some more support on defense or maybe another threat on offense? The offensive line is already really good, but why do that? You could even see in his demeanor and the game plan that 
it wasn't working what he was doing. They should have handed the ball to A.J. Dillon a lot more because he was able to get some good runs in the first quarter early on then. I don't know really what went through their head in that organization, but I thought that was a terrible move to draft him. Yeah, so I think it's a jam who uh, who thought, you know, oh, I can make do a stroke of genius right here and secure my job for the rest of my life. But again, this franchise quarterback, and I think eventually it's going to cost him his job by making that decision here in the next year or two when Aaron Rodgers is either off doing Jeopardy or doing a podcast or, or even worse playing for another team. But thank you, Leon, for those top stories of the week. Um, unfortunately, Oscar is not here. So what we are going to we'll do is I am just going to go through because he did write down like the injuries that he wanted us to talk about. So I'm going to go over them. So, obviously, when you look at some of the bigger injuries of the week, the Arizona Cardinals, um, Chase Edmonds had a high ankle sprain. Of course, I uh, have on my fantasy team, so I was not very happy about that. He's going to be out potentially for up to three to four weeks. And, you know, as we mentioned earlier, Marion Hopkins were already out for the Cardinals. So, James Conner, um, he's been really efficient at the goal line this year, getting a lot of those rushing touchdowns. He's going to be the feature back for the uh for the cardinals uh kyler murray also has as we mentioned earlier has an ankle sprain hopefully he'll be able to be back this week but we'll have to wait and see on that moving on to the jacksonville jaguars trevor lawrence rookie quarterback um had an ankle sprain the report suggested that he'll be ready for next week i believe urban meyer says much today that they expect him to be ready to go obviously got to be careful not to you know severely injure your rookie quarterback in a year where you're not going to even remotely contend for the playoffs. The Falcons, obviously they had an interesting situation this week with Calvin Ridley. He's taken a personal leave of absence via, to deal with some mental health issues. And obviously Russell Gage, Kyle Pitts, Cordell Patterson will all be receiving targets that Matt Ryan will look forward to, will look to for uh, production while Ridley is out. Obviously we don't know how long that's going to last. And we hope that uh, Ridley is okay, and that uh, he will get the help that he needs. Moving on to the Miami Dolphins, to attack LaViola. Um, you know, it's just it's unfortunate luck with this guy. All the way back to college, just cannot stay healthy. Uh, has a fracture in his middle finger of his throwing hand. He's weak to weak, so he may be able to start this week, but there's a good chance he might not be able to. And we we'll, might see Jacoby Brissett back out on the field, and he just has not played well all uh, all year, frankly, in relief. He didn't play well last yesterday against the Texans. And if he has to play again for Miami, uh, it's probably not going to be another good showing for that offense. And to talk about the New England Patriots, both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson both have head injuries and had to go for the concussion protocol. So they are out right now for an indefinite period of time. And of course, we'll have to wait and see if they can be in for this week. So I think the most interesting one of these is uh, Calvin Ridley, obviously, you know, it, I, I think it's an interesting point that we are in just not just football, just sports in general, where we're really starting to encourage athletes to take care of themselves, not just physically, but mentally, because physical, I mean, it phys, being physically fit is hard enough as it is. But the pressure that these players and these coaches and just anyone involved with the NFL or any other professional sport goes through is immense. And you know, just it's just something that we think is going to become more common. And is Ridley really brave for 
you know, taking this leave of absence during the middle of the season because you know, there's a lot of people, you know, when you go on social media, they're, they're calling them weak and saying that you're abandoning your teammates. But I think, you know, if, if you're not all the way there and, you know, you feel like you're basically harming yourself, I mean, at the end of the day, that's harming your team. And I think, you know, you have to take care of yourself. And just like if you have like a knee injury and you got to rehab that before you uh, rehab that instead of going out there and making it worse, if you're not completely right, then I think you got to take care of that too. If y'all have any thoughts on that, yeah, Connor, do you have any thoughts? Because I'm gonna, um, not on that, but I do have an update on the Monday Night Football game uh, against the Steelers and the Bears. If that's all cool, I gotta quickly say that. Tell I'm I'm gonna be honest. This is not the most exciting football game, but uh, what's going on with that? Uh, so the Steelers just scored a touchdown off a 10-yard Najee Harris touchdown run. A lot of potential in Najee Harris. I think he could become the next big running back in Pittsburgh. But going back to Nick's point, I think that's the biggest story, the Calvin Ridley one, because that just opens up more opportunity for Kyle Pitts, who's just getting better and better each week. And I know this is bold for me to say, but I'm going to say this right now. Mark my words, you're looking at the next best tight end in the NFL. Give him a couple seasons. I easily think he will surpass Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, anybody in the league. I know that the Falcons should focus more on drafting defensive players, but that was the best talent-wise player in the draft and overall the best player in the draft. This guy's going to be amazing for years to come. You might be looking at the next Tony Gonzalez of the Falcons. I got to see him actually play live last year. I the um, it was Florida at Tennessee, and I mean Kyle Pitts. When you see this guy in person, he's as fast as a wide receiver, but he's built like a tight end. I've never seen anyone built like that at the tight end position. And he obviously, I think he had 150 yards against the Vols that day. Just absolutely destroyed him and Kadarius Tony. Just ran for our defense like it was nothing. Um, of course, Florida, the Florida Gators wish they still had that offense. Uh, but that, that's we're not a college football podcast. But um, you know, Connor, just what your thoughts on this Connor Ridley situation and uh, how the Falcons uh, go from here? Um, I mean, I th- I think it's you know very important and honorable that that Calvin Ridley is kind of taking some time off the game uh, just to talk about what he's doing for a second before I kind of go into what this means for the Falcons. Um, you know, like Marshawn Lynch says, take care of your mentals, take care of your chicken, uh, and that's what Calvin Ridley is doing with with this move. Um. You know, I think especially in such a hyper-masculine sport uh, like football, um, you know, mental health struggles can sometimes be kind of, you know, kind of blown off uh, a little bit. Uh, I know Dak Prescott uh, struggled with his mental health a little bit. Uh, I think this past off season with some of his personal troubles. Um, and I, I think him uh, and what he's doing for mental health awareness as well as uh, Calvin Ridley, um, like I said, it's it's pretty honorable, and I think it'll help them become like even better players for their team because they're prioritizing their, their mental health. And while they're working on themselves off the field, I think it'll help them be, become more focused players on the field and help them become 100%. Um, for what this means for the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think any of us were thinking that they'd be playoff contenders, uh, but I, I think... Cordell Pat- Patterson, if hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, as well as uh, the emergence of Kyle Pitts uh, is going to be really important in how this team does. I mean, obviously, Kyle Pitts, like you said, Leon, is a generational talent at tight end. Um, and Cord- 
Cordell Patterson is probably the best catch passing running back in the entire league. Um, obviously, this offense is is going to be off a bit uh, without the number one wide receiver. But, you know, I think with Kyle Pitts and Cordell pa- Patterson catching passes, I I don't think the offense will be absolutely horrible. I, I, I think they'll do okay without Calvin. Yeah, I mean, he was already sort of like quiet this year not as much as last year he actually surpassed julio jones in yardage last season but uh noticeably quiet this year it hasn't really been brought up uh not really any big games for him but uh we are wishing him the best absolutely and hopefully he will be able to see him on the field soon but um moving on to fantasy of course oscar normally also does this segment as well but i will just kind of go through some of the statistics he was able to um collaborating we can you know, discuss it if we want uh so the top five performers this weekend standard scorings are not ppr scoring james connor as we mentioned earlier considering chase edmonds injury had 35.3 points um had two touchdowns only 22 yards rushing but a ton of receptions uh just was doing everything for the cardinals yesterday considering they had no kyle Murray, no um deandre hopkins of course, number two, Lamar Jackson, 32.6. He's doing what he does, 266 yards passing, three touchdowns, also 120 yards rushing. Another day at the office for Lamar Jackson. Had two interceptions, though. Jonathan Taylor absolutely destroyed the Jets on Thursday night football. He had 172 yards, two touchdowns, two catches. Clearly, all the criticisms of Frank Reich last week not handing the ball to Jonathan Taylor enough were heard because they gave him the ball early and often against New York. Justin Herbert finally has a great game again. Kind of he was struggling again, struggling for a few weeks, but he had 31.6 points. Uh, was 32 to a 38 passing, just essentially perfect yesterday. And Matt Ryan, 28.5 points. He himself had 343 yards passing, three touchdowns. He's doing Matt Ryan things. Um, and obviously a great, a great week anyway for the city of Atlanta. And it, they topped it off with another a win for the Falcons on the road for the Saints. Top three surprising performances, particularly James Conner. I think that was more of a circumstance. Josh Johnson, in relief of the injured Mike White, uh, 27-41, 3-17, three touchdowns. Um, did very, very well in relief. And again, you know, he was down a lot of that game, so he had to throw all the time. And, you know, we'll see if uh, the Jets have to go of him moving forward. And staying with the Jets, Elijah Moore, um, he went to school at Ole Miss. I watched him a lot in college. I always thought he was really, really explosive. Um, he had seven catches, 84 yards, and two touchdowns. Had 20.4 points in that game at the Colts. So when we take a look at these fantasy performances, just what stood out? What stands out to you when we look at some of these top uh, performances, some of the top uh, fantasy performances, if anything does stand out, uh, Leon or Connor? Um, in my opinion, uh, James Conner has been standing out not only this past game in relief, but this whole season. He's really been having a career renaissance since joining the Cardinals. Um, and he's been doing well for my fantasy team. Uh, he, he's been putting up like a good amount of points. He's been finding the end zone consistency, consistently, I think, every game as far as I remember. So he's he's definitely a standout running back in fantasy for sure. Yeah, he's definitely uh, doing great this year. Stood out to me is 
Josh Johnson threw for three touchdowns over 300 yards. He is listed as a third-string quarterback on the Jets. Even before that, MVP, MVP candidate Mike White did throw for a touchdown in the first quarter, and it looked like it would have been more competitive with him in the offense if he was able to stay healthy for the four quarters of the game. Now, it's also a big topic of conversation. Who will start next week against the Buffalo Bills, Mike White or Zach Wilson? I'm really interested. I'm really interested in seeing how they go in that direction there because the Colts' defense did give up 30 points to the Jets. Now, the Jets are not the best team in the league, and they are hopefully improving and making the AFC more competitive. But we'll see what really happens there against the Bills. Connor, do you really see the Bills locking down the Jets if they were to start Mike White, or would it be more competitive like it was against the Bengals? Honestly, with last week's performance, I have no idea. Um, I mean, I think the Bills' defense is still really good. Um, I think part of what happened in that Colts game uh, was that the Colts were already up like 42 to 10. So they kind of started playing like a prevent defense. Um, and then, you know, when Josh Johnson came in, like the game was almost over. Uh, I mean, he played well in relief. Uh, but I, I, at the same time, I think this Colts defense is, while they have some really solid playmakers, uh, it's nothing like the Bills defense has been this season. Um, so I'll, I'll say the Jets are definitely going to have a much harder time moving the ball when they play Buffalo in MetLife uh, this upcoming Sunday. Absolutely. I know you're going to talk about that in your gambling segment coming up. Uh, so some of the... Um waiver wire picks that Oscar decided to chose for this week. Uh, Rashad Bateman, rookie receiver for the Baltimore Ravens, went to Minnesota. Uh, he had eight targets this week. His target share has been going up significantly, and he's getting involved in that Ravens passing offense. So maybe that's a uh, wide receiver you can look towards if you need some depth there. Logan Thomas, tight end for the Washington football team. And Oscar is one of probably the top 12 tight ends. It's kind of fallen off at the beginning of this year. They're starting to pick it back up. Had four catches yesterday. Uh, Ramonde Stevenson, of course, you got to keep in mind that injury, but still has been getting involved a lot in the passing game and uh, some short yard situations for the Patriots. And Brendan York for the San Francisco 49ers. Don't know if I completely agree with the choice by Oscar. Um, that offense right now is a complete mess, but Ayuk, when he does get his chances, is can be a very explosive receiver. But my personal staff pick, uh, the Titans running back, Deontay Foreman, he only had five carries yesterday, 29 yards, uh, which is nearly six yards per carry. I know he only had five carries, but he looked a lot better than uh, Adrian Peterson or Jerry McNichols running the ball last night. And I really do think that Foreman has a shot at being RB1 by the end of the year. Because I'm not saying that Adrian Peterson's you know, obviously bad, but he's just not what he was. I think Foreman has a lot more uh, leg to him at this point in time. And I think they're going to be able to adapt uh, adapt that offense to Foreman in the absence of Derrick Henry. So, what everyone's all been waiting for, it is time to make some money with Connor Kennedy. What are some of your top gambling spreads for next week? All right, so I got four games for you this week, and I'm going to start it off with a game that we talked about a little bit earlier. The Buffalo Bills versus the New York Jets. Uh, the Bills are still favored by 13 points, even after that stinker they uh, let up in Jacksonville. And the over-under is 48 points. Uh, 
Now, as we talked about, the Bills played their worst game of the season yesterday in Jacksonville with their O-line being absolutely destroyed by linebacker Josh Allen, as well as quarterback Josh Allen not playing too well. Uh, well, the Jets lost on Thursday, falling back to earth in Indianapolis. Now, it'll be crucial for these Bills to win this game, to bounce back and possibly rejoin the Super Bowl contender conversation. Uh, and I think two players that are key to this um, that could potentially start practicing again on Wednesday and maybe be activated again uh, come Sunday are rookie right tackle Spencer Brown and breakout tight end Dawson Knox. Um, if they do come back and play in this game, I'd feel a lot more confident about, about the Bills going into MetLife this Sunday. Um, at the same time, Mike White could possibly p- come back on Sunday as well. Uh, and the MVP, MVP candidate uh, is going to help out the Jets quite a bit if he plays. Uh, but either way, I'll pick the Bills to win this game. Not too confident in it, but uh, I think they should bounce back. Uh, and this next game that I'm going to be talking about, uh, it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Las Vegas Raiders. The Chiefs are favored by three points, and the over-under is 52 now, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Rogerless Packers in a low-scoring matchup this past Sunday, while the Raiders were beat by the Giants after a tumultuous week for their team and their organization. Uh, personally, I'm going to go with the Raiders for the upset here. Uh, the addition of Deshaun Jackson will play an important role in bolstering their offense, um, and it could help them bounce back to how they've been playing before this past Sunday and potentially try and clinch a playoff berth. And one other interesting point, Uh, in my opinion, even when the Chiefs went 14-2 and last season and were the number one team in the AFC, they still fell to the 8-8 Raiders, who were a worse team on the field and on paper. So I think it's possible that they lose to the Raiders again this season. Uh, And this next game that I'm going to be talking about, it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, The Chargers are favored by three points, and the over-under is 52 now, the Vikings this past Sunday lost by a field goal playing the AFC contender Ravens last week, while the Chargers beat the Eagles by a last-minute field goal. Uh, the Chargers, in my opinion, are probably the more legit team in this game, uh, but still there are questions surrounding both teams, and this will be an important momentum shift for both of them this season. Uh, now, the Vikings, in my humble opinion, are not as bad as people think they are. However, what I've noticed from them is that in most games, they come up short when they need to make a play the most in the final moments of the game. And for that reason alone, I'm going to pick the Chargers to win this game. Alongside Justin Herbert bouncing back this past Sunday. Uh, And this last matchup that I'm going to be discussing, it's going to be the Cleveland Browns versus the New England Patriots. The Patriots are favored by two and a half points. And the over under for this game is 44 and a half. Uh, Now, the Browns and the Patriots are two other teams uh, with a lot of questions surrounding them, uh, particularly with the Patriots. Are they playoff contenders again? Uh, And with the Browns, could they potentially be a playoff team again this season? Um, And this Sunday, we'll see how on track both of these teams are on the road to postseason football in this game. Now, personally, I'm going with the Browns for this game. Uh, They beat a pretty good Bengals team this past Sunday, and they honestly look a lot better without OBJ in their lineup. And those are my four Week 10 NFL matchups. Yeah, I never want to go back to that Browns-Patriots game because it just seemed kind of disrespectful to me for the Browns to be underdogs in this game considering how they looked yesterday. 
And I know things are week to week in the NFL any given Sunday. But, you know, that combined with the fact that you no longer have the Odell drama going on and the fact the Browns just look better without Odell. I mean, if you look at the past year and a half, the Browns have always looked better without Odell Beckham than with him, which is insane to think about. Um, Do you think the Browns should be the favorites here? Because I think they should be. Because, I mean, I'm not saying the Patriots are a bad team, but I think the Browns right now are finally healthy. I think they finally have their identity again. And uh, I think anyone who's able to should jump on that uh, line right now. I absolutely agree with you. That's a disrespectful um, to favor the Patriots in this game over the Browns. Uh, I mean, like like I said earlier, the Patriots are playoff contenders. Um, and like we talked about earlier uh, in this podcast, Mac Jones has been playing like a similar role uh, to t- that Tom Brady was doing in the Patriots offense. You know, you know, he's taking what the defense gives to him. He's not making too many rookie mistakes. However, you know, this like you said, Nick, this Browns team is much better without OBJ. I think Jonathan Peoples Jones has been a pretty underrated wide out for this team so far this season. Um and while I have some questions about their secondary, I don't think they've uh, they're quite there yet in terms of you know gelling. I know there's uh, two rookie starters on their secondary, but I, I still think that the Browns are a better team than the Patriots. And Baker Mayfield, even though he's been getting a lot of flack this season and somewhat deservedly, I still think that he's a better quarterback uh, than Mac Jones. So personally, I, I I just see the Browns winning this matchup easily. Well, Which quarterback long easy. term do y'all think is going to be better, uh, Becky Maryville or Mac Jones? Who do you guys think has the higher ceiling? Because I feel like those two are, to me, could be relatively equal at their peaks. I don't see either of them ever being an elite top tier quarterback, but I think they're both quarterbacks who could be solid, get you to the playoffs, but maybe not win a championship unless they have great support around them. Would you say that that question is based around stats wise or success, including playoffs and Super Bowls? I, I think more about success because anyone can put up stats, you know, like Kirk Cousins. If you look at his stats, you know, or you look at Matt Ryan's stats throughout the years. But you know, like, um, which quarterback would you rather build around? That's a, that's honestly a really close one because you do have the best coach ever in Bill Belichick. That uh, I think they could make a Super Bowl run, but at the same time, the Browns can run over any team whenever they choose to play well. So that that that's actually a close one. Um, for right now, I'll go with Mac Jones. And just circling back to what we were talking about with Odell Beckham, a lot of teams, I think the Raiders could be somebody that might pick him up. It would be sick to see him come back to the Giants, but we don't even need another receiver since two already came back from IR. Maybe some, maybe uh, I think it would be crazy. I heard about DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Odell Beckham. I think that could be another trio that could be good with Russell Wilson coming back soon after his dislocated finger. So just really interested in seeing where he goes since he's still under 30 years old and he's still a big name player that could make a difference if he could fit into the right offense. I think one team that should look at him is New Orleans Saints um, because they lack a true wide receiver, especially with the absence of Michael Thomas. Of course, how much do you want to invest in a wide receiver right now when your quarterback situation is so up in the air now because of Jameis Winston's injury? I don't know, but um, for a team that's in playoff contention, I think that's definitely one team that should heavily consider maybe signing a receiver. I, I don't think the Raiders is going to happen now because they signed Deshaun Jackson uh, officially earlier today. But, um, 
you know, Odell in Vegas would be pretty interesting, but I don't know if Vegas really wants that whole hoopla after just the week they've had. I feel like that would just bring more unnecessary distractions. Uh, do, do you think that that would just be some of the Raiders are going to completely avoid right now? Not sure. I'm not completely sure because I think Odell Beckham could really help out that team. Whenever he runs a deep route and gets it open, that could be big for Derek Carr because Henry Ruggs is gone, and who knows the difference Henry Ruggs could have made in that Giants matchup. But we don't know. All right. All right, guys. Well, it's time to finish off this show with our favorite segment of the week. It's the Player of the Week segment. Of course, we only have three Players of the Week this week, so I'll kick it to you, Leon. Who is your Player of the Week? For the second time in the podcast, I am going to have to go with Giants safety Xavier McKinney. His second two-interception game of the season. Big momentum booster for the Giants whenever he picked off Derek Carr while uh, trying to throw to Hunter Renfro with an out route on the left side of the field. McKinney stripped it out of his hands, just literally ripped it out of his hands, was able to get a pick six and a huge momentum booster for the Giants who had a heartbreaking penalty against the Chiefs the prior week. So he's up to four INTs on the season for safety, and hopefully he could catch up to your one of your favorite players, Kevin Byard, who has five interceptions on the season. Absolutely. Uh, Connor, who's your player of the week? All right. Um, So as painful as this Bills loss was uh, for us Bills fans, I'll give credit where credit's due. Uh, My player of the week is Jaguars linebacker Josh Allen. He was definitely the MVP of this game for the Jaguars and really was the main contributor in them winning this game. Uh, He led the defense with a sack, his first career interception, and a fumble, fumble recovery for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I think he's been a pretty underrated player these past couple of years since entering the league. Um, and if they can build uh, a more competitive team uh, around him and Trevor Lawrence, uh, then who knows? Maybe we'll see a return to Saxonville again. And I'm going to finish off this player of the week segment with another defensive player. I think this has to be the first time we've all gone with a defensive player uh, so far in this podcast, but uh, I'm going with Titans. Defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons, as we call him down here in Tennessee, Big Jeff. He had three sacks last night on Sunday Night Football against Los Angeles Rams. And beyond that, was just a big disruptor. He was absolutely uh, manhandling the Rams offensive line alongside with Danico Autry. Uh, they made life uh, very difficult for Matthew Stafford in that Rams offense and helped the Titans get that 28-16 to win. Of course, that helped Kevin Byard get that pick six. Um, in the second quarter, got David Long an interception that almost turned into a pick six of its own. Uh, just one of the best Titans defensive performances I've seen in a very long time. And I think it all started up front with Jeffrey Simmons. Of course, he was number 19th pick, I think, back in 2019 or 2018, one of those two years. And he's this is why we picked him in the first round, because he's an absolute force. And this Titans defensive unit, which was awful last year, is start is quickly turning into one of the best in the entire league, which I can't even believe I'm saying that because I thought they would be a liability for the Titans. But without Derrick Henry, without the King, um, the Titans are going to have to win in a different way, and the defense is providing that different way. But with that being said, that is all the time that we have for this week's episode of 
the Instant Review Podcast. We thank all of you for joining us for this live edition of uh, this podcast. We will see you again next week when we recap all NFL-based news, injury reports, fantasy predictions, and much, much more after week 10. We are in double digits. We see the finish line ahead of us. And stick with us as we start breaking down the potential playoff picture. For Connor, for Leon, I'm Nick. Thank you for watching the interview podcast. Take care.